Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I am joined by Lindy Hewson, the Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN, and also the host of this show. Lindy, how are you going? Good, thanks, Grant. I'm coming to you from a very rainy day here in Sydney and keen to get into today's session. We're going to be continuing our conversation on the fight against plastic packaging waste. And it's not only the product packaging that ends up on the shelf and in consumers' hands that contributes to the problem. There is also packaging waste that's generated in the production process too, like the liners on labels, an essential layer of material that the label adheres to on a reel before it is peeled off and applied to the packaging container. Now, until now, this liner waste has headed to landfill. In Australia, 10,000 tonnes of it per annum. But the good news that I'm bringing to you today, Grant, is that a solution has been found by Australia's biggest label printing company, Label Makers, in collaboration with building materials producer Enviroflex. And here to tell us more about this today are two of our industry's forward-thinking women, Jessica Walters, who heads up marketing at Label Makers, and Felicia Richardson, the CEO of Enviroflex. Welcome, Jess and Felicia. It's good to have you with us today, talking about some bold new moves in what can only be described as a time of heightened activity in packaging. So, welcome, Felicia and Jess. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to talk about this exciting innovation and collaboration. Well, you are very welcome, and I'd like to kick off the discussion by jumping straight into the exciting news that we broke on PKN recently, that Label Makers Group has secured the rights for the worldwide patented RecuLiner technology for Australia and New Zealand, and in so doing is creating a local circular solution for recycling glassine liner from pressure-sensitive labels that would otherwise go to landfill. Now, Jess, what is RecuLiner technology and what does it do? Thank you, Lindy. So, I guess firstly, this has been a major project for our business for the last 18 months or, or more in conjunction with Enviroflex. So, it's fantastic to see this now coming to to fruition. Um, the RecuLiner technology, it's effectively a patent that we've secured um, for Australia and New Zealand, um, which is really allowing the conversion of glassine paper liner waste into a insulation product for the building and construction industry. So, for residential and commercial building uh, applications. And that's the market and the product that we've announced. But it's actually important to note that the patent itself has much broader coverage than that. And we are working and uh, working to develop a number of new market applications. A couple of examples of that being the hydro mulching, hydro seeding space, which Felicia may be able to to talk through. And we're at the point now of, uh, of looking at market trials and promotional samples into that customer base to see if we can actually build interest in that in that product. So that's really that's really exciting. And um, you know, really where this has all started is that glassine liner um, is a major problem and it's a problem globally. It's been that way since the beginning of time. And fundamentally the problem is that the silicon top layer on the glassine paper cannot be removed, historically has not been removed. And therefore, there hasn't been a recycling solution for that. So, it's really been banished to to landfill. Now, there are a couple of locations around the world that can, in fact, 
um, recycle glycine liner paper, but they're sitting in Europe or other parts of the world. So there's, you know, geographic issues associated with that, but there's never been a local solution. So, so this announcement in conjunction with Enviroflex and, and Reculina Technologies is incredibly exciting. And as you said, Lindy, it's 10,000 tonnes in Australia alone that we estimate is going into, uh, going into landfill. Um, so in the interim to this program uh, kicking off, and we can talk about that in a bit more detail too around timelines, um, there is an overseas option that is in play. Um, and we are continuing to onboard customers as an interim transitional step before moving them to the local the local program in time. So, Felicia, where does Enviroflex come in and what does this move mean for your business? Well, Enviroflex are a cellulose processing and insulation specialist. We have several arms. And when we were approached by label makers, we saw the opportunity to take the cellulose that, that is currently going to landfill the uh, release liner and to convert existing cellulose productions to to take advantage of, the, of this local product that was available. Excitingly for us, our collaboration with label makers is completely in line with Enviroflex's vision, which is to take that which would otherwise go to landfill and to produce insulation that improves people's comfort and decreases their energy consumption. In turn, this will help the government and individuals and companies looking at their carbon emissions. It's super exciting. So, from our perspective, we're an Australian company, we support manufacturing within Australia and we are looking to cease our reliance on overseas imports and we see the exciting opportunities for taking the, the release liner, making acoustic and thermal insulation and, as Jess mentioned, also using it as input to other products such as the hydroceding, hydromulching, vermiculite and a variety of other forms that we currently already produce. I saw mention of job creation and what's it going to mean for growth in your business? Presently, we have several machines that are dedicated to producing things, for example, like brake pads for trains and as well as, as I said, hydromulch and things like that. What we're looking to do is to purchase additional equipment to be able to cater to the several thousand tonne that we're looking at repurposing. So there would be the job creation that goes along with that. And the timeline that we're talking about, how soon do you think, you say you're looking at doing those things, what, what is the, the timeline on getting the production expanded and, and operational? Well, Jess mentioned earlier, we're currently sending out samples to, to a variety of different manufacturers in the hydroceding, hydromulch, Melu, and we will... We're hoping to get an uptake very, very quickly in, in that arena. The acoustic and thermal insulation, we're booked in for testing to start rolling that product out heading towards May. And we will be looking forward to the label makers' customers uh, getting on board, not only with the recycling, but then also with the commercialisation and the uptake of those products. I think it'd be very exciting for some of these people to have their boardrooms sprayed with acoustic treatments that have been created out of their own waste. I'm sure it will be. So, Jess, let's talk about your customers in the Australia and New Zealand region. Why do, why do we say this is such good news? I mean, we know why it's good news, but in a nutshell, if you were to do the sell, why is this good news for them? And what has been their response to the announcement and to the process of onboarding? Well, firstly, the response has been 
tremendous. I mean, there is uh, so much support for this in the market and we were literally uh, flooded with emails and, and phone calls um, following following the announcement, which is exciting. Um, and I think, one, because it is a local solution, um, but it also ticks a lot of boxes around landfill diversion, local manufacturing, as we've discussed, job creation that comes along with that. And effectively, we're using a waste product um, to green another industry, um, which is completely unrelated to packaging, which is actually uh, which is actually really cool, and that is currently imported. So you've got your import replacement aspect to that as well. So really does tick a lot of boxes. So customers, um, of course, want to be on board with it because it's not only again, it's not only about diverting landfill. It ticks a lot of other boxes um, in areas that are important to us from a values position as well. But in terms of, you know, why is this so important other than the obvious? I mean, label makers is a signatory to the Australian Packaging Covenant Organisation, as are all of our customers. So, again, what this really does, it, align, it aligns us both. We have very ambitious sustainability uh, targets, including these landfill uh, reductions across all of our eight uh, manufacturing sites. And, and line of waste is a significant part of the waste story, not only for us, but also for our for our customers. So the targets associated with recycling and reuse of packaging materials, um, this really hits on that, and it is going to enable our customers to go a long way to achieving those APCO targets by 2025. Which again, it's it's, it's really it's really exciting. Yeah. So the thing with label liner is it's not the obvious packaging waste, but it's such there's such volume of it. Um, so this is quite significant, certainly for your customers. Now, there's a new group or department within label makers called Label Makers Liner Recycling Services. So where does this fit in the organizational structure and is this how is this linked to Enviroflex? Well, the Liner Recycling Services um, program within our business, it's being headed up by our group environment and sustainability manager. And as there is more uptake and as this evolves, uh, we'll certainly be resourcing that, resourcing that further. But the role really of that group of people is to provide an end-to-end service model to enable this program. So that really means the um, you know, the delivery and replenishment collection of approved packaging uh, to obviously hold the hold the line of waste um, and also managing all of the transport and logistics associated with, again, you know, the phone calls on pickups, moving it to, you know, to warehousing, whether it needs to be containerized, then moving it down to to Enviroflex in Melbourne. So, again, there's a, there's a large supply chain element to this to this business as well, and uh, in large part, it is a logistics exercise. So, um, so we have had to set up a, a group with resourcing to be able to manage it. And again, as that evolves, that um, department will become increasingly busy uh, within our within our business. Well, this is a fantastic development, and we're certainly looking forward to covering the progress. And a year in, I'd really like to know how much we've diverted from landfill, and um, we'll catch up on that in due course. But I would like to move now from this specific development to some bigger picture stuff. Felicia, what do you think is the importance of innovation to the achievement of a circular economy and to responsible waste management? It's a very interesting question, you know, and I'm fortunate enough over the years to have attended several waste expos and the thinking has evolved considerably in the last few years. What we seek to do is to give inputs to a production more than one life 
and up-manufacture it. Several years ago, for example, there was a lot of excitement about uh, taking single-use plastics and, and putting it into asphalt, and that was creating a slightly better road. But what then became viewed as, uh, as really another, another landfill, for want of a better phrase. What we're now looking at doing is up-manufacturing. So, taking the, the waste from the glycine liner and creating, giving it a new life to stop a reliance on new virgin resources. So, key, key to the circular economy is the up-manufacturing, giving a product or an output from a product a life beyond its first life. So, this is what we're doing with the, the re release liner. We will be taking that, making it into, into insulation, which would otherwise have been produced from things such as polyester and fiberglass. This is really very, very exciting. It is, it is a new angle on the previous cellulose insulation that used to be made out of newspaper. And we actually believe that the components of the release liner will actually give greater longevity to the cellulose insulation. So necessity really has been the mother of, of, of innovation and invention in this case. Um, Jess, would you like to comment on that? I just wanted to pick up the point there on the, on the silicon component because that has been the inhibitor for recycling of glycine liner waste historically. And what we're finding in this development is, in fact, the silicon can actually play a role to enhance the performance of the of the product. So again, that's why I think the the you know the development and the innovation and the investment in the R and D is so important because we wouldn't have otherwise understood that particular aspect of this product. Well, what I've seen now um, from this project and from others, I mean, we've had a fantastic announcement this week about a, a fully recycled wrapper, food grade wrapper for Kit Kat coming through, and the key to me here is that meeting of the minds, the collaboration. So, yes, we need innovation, but we can't do it solo. So, you needed Reculiner technology. You needed to have the manufacturing arm in Enviroflex. Um, you needed to have the buy-in from your customers um, and all those little bits and pieces that have to fit into place. So, the collaboration, which we're seeing so much more of now, is absolutely essential if we're going to reset our manufacturing here, if we're going to develop a circular economy for all these different materials within the packaging framework in Australia. So, um, I think that we're going now, we're, we're on the path, and it's fantastic to see that it's getting momentum. But I'd like to move on now to another hot-button topic um, and a very timely one given the recent celebration of International Women's Day and the significant and brave protests that women are leading in Australian society at the moment. It's something that the three of us have obviously um, have confronted in our working careers and um, it's something that's top of mind right now, certainly for me, and that is how you navigate your way to leadership in a male-dominated industry such as the ones we, we all work in. Felicia, can you talk about your company's uh, diversity in senior management? You're the CEO. Um, you obviously have also do spend a lot of time thinking about this and acting on it in industries like this that are typically male-dominated and also how this impacts your company's vision and execution. We're a very interesting company, Lindy. So, Enviroflex is owned by Richard Charlton, who previously was the CEO of Shell Australia. And in Rick's time as, as head of Shell, he was 
an avid promoter of women and diversity within Shell Australia and also within the Royal Dutch Company. And as a result, he was very open to bringing more women into senior roles in Enviroflex and in, in the construction industry in particular because he had seen the uplift that diversity brings. We are very fortunate also to have been able to bring women from other industries. So, for example, from the clothing industry and textile industry, who've previously run laboratories and have a variety of different experiences, which then have meant that we weren't a traditional construction focus. We were looking for other opportunities. And we were very fortunate that when we were approached by label makers with this opportunity, we were able to apply our learnings from a variety of different industries and not have blinkers on to what was possible. So, the women that we have in our senior management team, and I must confess, I just recently I was actually having a look at it. In terms of the senior management, we are about 80% female at the moment. Ironically, as a company, we're not. As I said, the majority of our wow. <laughs> the majority of our um, our workforce is is installer based. And despite my best efforts to try and recruit women as installers, we haven't managed to, to crack that yet. Uh, that that is certainly something that predominantly is is still a male occupation. But you know, as I say, we we actively seek women right throughout our company. Because particularly in insulation, we, we specialise in retrofit and you tend to be going to someone's home. It tends to be a woman who's home, maybe with children. It, it's just a nice and natural fit. But it also breaks up the machismo that, that is often in, in some of these blue-collar industries. You're listening to the PKN Podcast by Yaffa Media. We'll be right back after this. Finally, there's an alternative to polystyrene that won't cost the earth. Planet Protector Packaging has developed a range of eco-friendly, sustainable solutions that are commercially viable and cost-effective for your business. Our industry-specific wool pack range has been independently tested and proven to outperform alternative cold chain packaging. Here's the kicker. Our solution can significantly reduce your overall packaging and transportation footprint, and it doesn't cost the planet. To find out more, head to planetprotectorpackaging.com. And now, let's get back to the discussion on the PKN podcast. So, Jess, do you have um, experiences that you can share in terms of, of the you're more on the packaging side of things, and you've also spent a fair amount of time in FMCG space? I have, and I guess I've spent uh, at least half of my career in packaging, uh, but I've also spent considerable time in financial services and then running my own business in an e-commerce environment. So I'd say it's the same of all industries that um, we really struggle with this idea of having a very senior women um, in numbers across any of those across any of those industries. But I would probably say, in you know, in honesty, that um, I probably didn't really identify that gender issue until more recently. And I would say I've generally had a very good experience um, in being promoted through organisations, uh, through other senior managers. And I think that has been in part that I've had really good mentors and, and sponsors. And I think that is such an important part of uh, your development and as you progress into, you know, into senior leadership, and it's now incumbent upon me to make sure that I am 
identifying those women within, you know, within our business um, that do have the desire to, pre, to, to move into more senior, uh, senior levels and then really just making sure that they have the pathway, um, they have the opportunities, they have the skills and they have the confidence to be able to progress and, you know, and asking those questions and regularly of, of, of team members. Um, I have a number of women that work for me within my, um, with our team. Um, label makers is, is very diverse, I would say. I think, you know, you look around the office um, and there are a lot of amazing women across our business. But but I am, it is true, I am the uh, the only female to sit on the senior senior leadership team. But again, incredibly supported in this uh, environment. And I would also say too that, you know, your needs as a senior female differ as you move through and you become more senior. And, and certainly for me, um, flexibility, having good work-life balance is important because I have young children. And let's face it, there are some structural issues for women in, in being able to, in some cases, progress progress through because of issues unrelated to, to work. So very, very good work-life balance here. There's, there's an cr- incredible level of flexibility and understanding on those ports, which is really important for me to be able to be in this role, but also be successful and happy in this in this role. So, yeah, so I have had a good experience. But again, I also, from a very early age, sought out mentors and sought out sponsors within a business. And you need to do that. And if I can, I, I would just share with you a very early experience within my career, which has was a strong reference point for, for me. And coming out of university, joining a first organisation, I knew very little. I did lack confidence. I'd never worked in an organisation before. And very quickly in that organisation, I noticed that I was being invited to boardroom meetings. I was being invited to management meetings. And firstly, it was about being an observer. Um, but quite quickly, the CEO in particular would often defer to me with with questions and seeking my opinion, uh, wanting my input. And um, at the time, I was quite frustrated by that because I didn't necessarily know the answers, and I sometimes felt a bit silly and perhaps a little bit out of my, you know, out of my depth. And uh, and this went on and on. And um, you know, and over time, I would build some some confidence and knowledge, and and to actually really start contributing. And I did ask him about that. Uh, later on that, you know, why why did you do that? I sometimes feel really silly and I felt maybe that I wasn't meeting expectations because I, I wouldn't be able to necessarily respond. And, you know, and his response to me was that, you know, I'm bringing you to the table. Um, I am. I, I want to give you an opportunity to have a voice. We value you. We, we think you've got, you know, really good potential. And I suspect you're going to spend a lot of your career around a boardroom table. So, I want to give you that now. And, you know, that was a really interesting, so long before Sheryl Sandberg started telling us, you know, we all needed to lean in, I had a CEO of a, of a, of a business really encouraging that of, of me. And I built incredible confidence through that process from a very early age. And, um, and again, moving on into different businesses and moving up in seniority, uh, I would always seek out a, uh, a mentor and a sponsor because I knew the impact that it would have. And again, I think that's why it's incumbent on us to be able to contribute that to our businesses and our, and our teams. Felicia, what's your view on the importance of mentorship? 
I, I have found mentors to be critical through my career. Now, my, my background, Jess and I were discussing this earlier, my background is actually banking. And, uh, and then I moved off into consulting. And once again, another predominantly male dominated industry, particularly through the 80s and 90s. And the importance of having good mentors to lead, to lead you into the uncomfortable, to, to give you a safety net, to, to enable you to expand your thinking is huge. The safety net aspect in particular of having a mentorship, the, the notion of you have someone who you can run things past and not be frightened to fail, not be frightened to put out the, the outlier idea. And that is critical to innovative thinking. You know, R&D is not for the faint-hearted. R&D is long, it is hard, and you are constantly on the edge of failure and hopefully success. So you fail and fail and fail until you succeed, obviously, or you give up. So good mentors are, are critical, and I still have have mentors who who I use on a daily basis, and I, and I alternate depending on who's going to give me the most uncomfortable answer, who's going to challenge you the most. The last thing that you want in mentoring is someone who thinks like you do. The reality is then you're just looking in a mirror. Jess and I were actually talking this morning about this, and one of the things that was interesting is neither of us would have recognised as we were coming through our careers that there there was such an issue that women needed to band together. And I actually did go to the March for Justice in Torquay, and what was very, very interesting to me, that they actually, it was terrific. They set it up at eight o'clock in the morning so that people could go prior to work and prior to school drop-offs and things like that. What was interesting though, if you looked at the demographic, the vast majority of people who were there were over 45. And, and if I was to pinpoint it, I'd say the vast majority sat around 55 to 65. And when Jess and I were talking about this, I thought, I pointed out that perhaps we had always felt secure climbing up the corporate ladder as, as women and as just as workers, as an asset to a company. But we recognised that our daughters might not have the same capability and the same opportunities and the same mentors that we have been fortunate enough to have. So, as a result, we're seeking more structural change to ensure that these opportunities are then made available to these to everybody. I mean, equality benefits everybody at the end of the day. And we've been very lucky with regard to COVID, going back to Jess's comment about flexible working spaces and things like that. Nothing has created opportunity more than what COVID has. The amount of people who have worked from home and been able to look after their families as well as their business commitments through the rapid adaption of technology has just been fantastic and and it will promote women working from home and men for that matter working from home in the future and our businesses will be richer for it yeah i certainly think that it has opened a whole new way of working for us thanks to covid i think the point about mentoring is 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 extremely important because it is the the onus is on us women in positions of leadership to do what Jess said, to identify people who might need support or who could benefit from any input, whether it is going to be a benefit or not, but to at least offer that kind of mentoring um, approach or leadership and to 
through that support, enable them and empower them to reach their potential within the organization. Jess? Yeah, just wanting to, I guess, reiterate the point too that, you know, while it's incumbent on us uh, to do that, it's also incumbent upon women to, again, you know, lean in, put up their hand, make their interests known, make their aspirations known so they can actually get on the agenda. And that uh, does come with a level of, of confidence, but I would really encourage women to, to do that. Um, I, mean, I have over 30 sales team in my organisation here and it's it's not always easy to, time-wise even, just to, to, to get to that level of depth regularly with everyone in your team. So I will always be saying to my team, make sure you put your hand up all the time and, and highlight if you do have a, an area of interest. Felicia, do you want to add something there? Well, once again, I'll just say don't look for mentors necessarily in your own industry. Look for people who will make you think differently. Look to people in management who, who may have travelled a similar path but are across industry and that will expand your horizons. Absolutely. And even in this very project um, that you have, where, where you're working with a solution that's outside of the packaging industry, Jess, um, and have made this connection now with Felicia, this is, this is a whole new channel and makes you think differently just in business terms. And I agree with you, Felicia, mentors come in from all walks of life. And it is about, it's a two-sided thing. It takes two to tango. Um, and we just need to keep our, our mind, creative minds open and the doors open too. It's been really great to speak to both of you today, two women who, who have seized their agency in their working life. And I really look forward to covering in PK and the development of this fantastic initiative, the Reculina technology coming into action in Australia. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Lindy. Thank you, Lindy. Well, thanks, Felicia and Jessica, for joining Lindy and I. And uh, that was a great conversation, not just on the uh, the concept of recycling of label backings and so on, but also on women in business. Very interesting topic there. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing lots of progress and development on that front. And with that, we'll sign off this episode. And we won't be too long before we're back with another great episode of the PKN Packaging News Podcast. Thanks, ladies and gents. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.